we have attachments to these emotional experiences. Like when we get attached to joy and then we get worried that we're going to feel fear again, or like, we're not going to always stay in this forever. Like being human is a spectrum of emotions that we have to be okay with and like fully accept. But the story in our minds comes from the state in our body. This is a Soul Fire production. Abby, welcome to the show. I am just so thrilled to have you here today. I'm so excited to be here. I can't wait for this conversation. I was just telling you that we needed to push record because we were already getting into so much juicy stuff. And oh, I feel like we are in similar uh, phases of life right now as entrepreneurs and mamas and seeing how much our children can, for you children, for me child, can teach us. And you just got back from this beautiful vacation. I'd love for you to speak to how our children can teach us and like looking and seeing life through their lens, how that can bring a different level of presence into our lives. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we were just talking about this right before we hit record, but I was in Florida on vacation with my family. I've got two daughters, a three-year-old and a 10-month-old and my husband and my parents, we were staying with them. And um, I started just, I didn't want to be on my stories. I didn't want to be on social media. I really wanted to unplug for the week. And so I didn't have any calls. I totally took the week off of my business. And I said, you know, I'll just start recording these like little snippets, like five, 15 second clips of my life and just like what we're doing. And I realized like, you know, it's like with one kid, you take pictures and videos of everything. When you have two, it's like, I swore I wouldn't be this person, but I have so many less photos of Lily and videos that I honestly was like, I'll just take photos and videos and like really kind of soak up some of these little magic moments. So I started taking videos and it was just like on a whim. I was like, I don't share much of my personal life and my kids online. And there's not massive intention behind it, I would say. It's just, I just don't. Like I I work by myself during the day and when I'm with my kids, I want to be present with my kids. So it's just not even something I think about. Mm -hmm. So I started taking these videos, put one together, posted it with like music because music is like deeply regulating and activating for me. And I like love setting it to a soundtrack. So it's like this little mini 60 second movie Mm -hmm. and I posted it and so many people responded to it and were like loving it. And I, it just felt good. And I was like, I'm just going to do this. And I did it all week. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it was, I like, I feel like I'm, I'm a very present person in my life, but it's been, they always say kids can, are your greatest teachers and there can be your greatest teachers. And they're such great mirrors for, um, for us. And something that I just told you, Sarah, um, off recording was like, I, it was like a, the end of a super long day taking care of both kiddos. And Isla was like running around my oldest and she still had all this energy. And I was like, how do you have all this energy? Like, how are you still going? It's like seven o'clock at night. I'm so tired. And it was like, she didn't even need to answer me. It was this light bulb moment where I realized, Oh, like, she only exists. And now like she doesn't carry anything. Like she isn't stressed out or thinking about or attached to anything that already happened. And she's not worried about what might happen. And in that moment, it realized to me this like deeper level of subconscious, um, weight 
of the world, essentially, of like, of even even the weight that can be there from goals and dreams and, and these big things that we want. And there's like that subconscious fear of like, am I going to have it? Am I going to get it? Is this thing from my past going to interrupt it? And it was like, it kind of all like blurred away for me and like the fog lifted. And I was like, she hasn't learned to carry it. And I was like, then it, I started just asking myself some rhetorical questions of like, when do we learn to carry it? Why do we carry it? You know, and it was, it was kind of a fascinating just self-reflection for me, but I've been really sitting with that. And I think one of the biggest joys about having kids is that they bring me so much back to the moment. And even when I'm observing them, I feel like I'm more present in each moment than I ever have been. We talked about this a little bit in this free embodiment experience we collaborated on called The Reclaimed Woman and how our nervous systems are affected also as being by being mothers and mm-hmm. what you were just talking about, sort of a light bulb went off in my head around how she can also be so free and so just alive in the moment because you've also supported her in co-regulation to like not have to, I don't know the answer to that rhetorical question, right? Of like, when do you start carrying it? But yeah, it's probably different for all of us. And mm-hmm. I think that when we have powerful, co- powerful co-regulators as parents or primary caregivers in our life, that maybe we get to bathe in the, like present unadulterated yet like Mm. childhood and like the magic the magic of of not having gone through all these things in life yet so let's let's talk nervous systems for a second Mm. and just I know you also have um or have just hosted this experience for highly sensitive nervous systems. And that resonates so deeply with all of the listeners of this podcast. So what do you feel like is important to know about our nervous systems, especially as highly sensitives and how can things like being really present in our children help to regulate, but also maybe challenge our nervous systems a little bit. Yeah, totally. Yeah, this I, I did just do that masterclass and it was really fascinating. I, I didn't even realize that I had never done anything specifically for highly sensitives before. And I'm like, that's me though. And it's like you, that's like what you do. And it's so amazing. And so just doing this like two and a half hour experience was really cool. And I got to just talk to like my people, like it was probably the easiest masterclass I've ever done because it was just, it was like, yeah, me and my crew, we were just like having a chat about how our bodies and our minds, and everything work. I think that, um, you know, I've seen some things online floating around here and there about like how narcissism is the work for highly sensitives. And I find that so, uh, like icky, like sticky. It's, um, I, I find that, that highly sensitives are still really misunderstood. It was, um, it's still something that's like newer. And even though 20% of the population is probably highly sensitive, um, it's not, it's like too many to be a diagnosis. And it's like 
too few to be highly understood. And so we're often misunderstood because of that. But highly sensitive nervous systems are like, I like, I think of my nervous system as like a lot of live wires and the practices that I do help to cap those. So the wire still exists, which is like the depth of the feeling, but the trigger, the reaction doesn't happen when I regulate. And that involves yeah. meditation and breathing and grounding and like anchoring in myself. And so that requires training. It's like everything. I think you just posted a reel the other day that was like practice. Mm -hmm. um, I love that audio so much. I just, it makes me laugh because I'm like, that is like the key, especially for highly sensitives where you, like I, I get my space to practice by myself so that I can be present with my kids. Because if I don't, then it's like the sounds, the loud noises, the the smells, the everything, like so overstimulating, overwhelming. But the highly nervous, highly sensitive nervous system is different and the brain is different. Our mirror neurons are different. Yep. We are natural born entrepreneurs, natural born leaders, but a lot of times it um, doesn't feel or look that way because we almost like pull ourselves back so that we can read everyone else. And then, but then we fill in the gaps so well, there are so many amazing benefits to being highly sensitive and it really is a gift, but it can feel like a curse when you don't understand how to manage it and regulate it. And you know, for me, um, the way that I do that the best, my, the way my body loves the most is Kundalini. Yeah. And so that's what I gravitate towards. And I know when I'm not doing it, I can tell when I'm like, okay, we're just like, we need to get back. Like we're dysregulated. We're. I want to talk about this concept of the body does hold the breakthrough and yeah. that we do heal through feeling and sensation and embodiment practices. Yeah. And I know that's something that like really reigns like king or queen on the pedestal for you as far as like how we heal through like the body and that your yeah. work focuses on not speaking to the mind, but speaking mm -hmm. to the body. Yeah. I'd love for you to just elaborate on that. Yeah. I think it's like, it just makes sense to me. Highly sensitives are the feelers of the world. Exactly. So then how could we possibly heal by thinking? You know what I mean? And so we're such deep feelers that we, we like, that's how we communicate with the world. I was telling my husband this yesterday because sometimes when we're having conversations and I say something like, I feel like I've been let out of this jail. I didn't even know I was in. He was like, what if you, he was like, but why can't you say it in like the positive way? Or like, I'm pursuing this new thing. That's like really exciting. I'm like, listen, for a highly sensitive person, when I have the thought or when I have the feeling, if I don't let it out of me, it lives in me until I release it. Mm -hmm. It is how my body works. I will be sick. I will like, I will ruminate. It will travel from the feeling to the thinking. And that's how I ruminate. That's how I obsess. That's how I try to control or anticipate. And so for me, like it has only ever made sense to me that it that happens through the body because that's where I experience life. I told him, I do not experience this world through knowledge. I experience this world through subtle energy and feeling. When and did so, you realize that, Abby? Like, so for you, if you yeah. rewind your life, do you feel like you were always that way or, or like, was there a realization point around that? So I always kind of go back to this moment when I was six years old, but there isn't, I wouldn't say there's any wild thing that I know of that happened, but it's the first time I remember being completely overwhelmed by sensation mm -hmm. along with the knowing, uh, like this feeling of subtle energy and world shifting energy. It was like, like I knew that I had, it was the first time I ever remember 
feeling in my body that I had a capacity to shift the energy of the world. Mm. Wow. And that's so, a big thing to take on as a six-year-old. Yeah. But because, and because I didn't know how to, it went to my mind. So I would always think about how do I change the world? What do I invent? What do I, you know what I mean? And it was, yeah. then it, I didn't, it didn't actually integrate. It was like, it was almost like too overwhelming. Like I was the kid that I couldn't sleep. Like I checked on all my family every night. I was like, like, you know, feeling into the energy of everyone all the time. It was like, it manifested as very intense anxiety and like fear cycles for me because I didn't know how to manage it. And nobody in my family would have related to that. But for like three years of my life, I used to, it was probably from like around six, like around when that happened until nine or 10, where every night I had to tell my mom everything that I did, thought, felt during the day, or I couldn't sleep because it was so overwhelming. Like we had a ritual. I would like go in and sit on her bed and I would like unload it. Right. It's like you're discharging all that like energy that builds up throughout your day so that you probably unknowingly were doing that so your nervous system could regulate and so that you actually fall asleep. That's exactly it. So I could sleep. And my mom was the best. You know, she never questioned me. She never asked why. She never didn't let me come in. She never told me it was bad or whatever. She just would listen and say, okay. And then I'd literally walk to my room and go to sleep. Mm -hmm. You also just recently shared something about how the problem in so regarding the nervous system, the problem isn't in the story, it's in the state. And I think a lot of people either don't understand that or would love to understand how that applies to them. Can you speak to that? Yeah. So when we are we experience the world and we're through this concept of like neuroception. If you're familiar with polyvagal theory, I know you are, but if you're listening and you are like, we're always like looking for cues and signs of danger and signs of safety. And that happens like whether or not you intellectually understand this, you're subconsciously like taking all of this in Mm -hmm. through feeling like your body feels safe. It feels unsafe. It feels regulated. It feels dysregulated. So you, you have a state, you're in a state, whether you feel balanced, you feel angry, you feel sad, you feel joyful. And then from that state, you can feel it and then like open up and create the space to feel something different. So feel it, not get attached to it, move through it, move on to the next thing. Or your body feels um, like almost too heightened. Like the state is so, so heightened that you want to know why you want to understand it. So that feeling starts to travel like through your physiology, through your nervous system up to the mind. And then from that feeling, you create a story around it, which is where the attachment comes from. Mm -hmm. So then now you have this trigger. Now you have this, not only a, a nervous system trigger, but you have a, a mental trigger. So when you then, so say you're in a, a position, for an example, like you feel fear in your body and instead of like that fear doesn't feel okay to you, you don't feel safe with that fear. That's what happens to a lot of people, right? Like fear doesn't feel safe. It feels uncomfortable. We're not okay with being uncomfortable. We want to be uncomfortable. We want, we want to be comfortable and we want to feel good. So we don't feel safe with that fear. So then our mind is like, why am I feeling this? Like what's happening to me? Like, is there something, am I in danger here? Is there something I need to be worried about? And then you start searching for why you should be worried about it, other things. And then the, the state gets heightened. Like the nervous system is like, it's like a ping back and forth. And each thing grows, the state grows, the story grows until 
now this thing happened, you felt fear, now you have a story. The next time it happens, you feel fear, even if it's in a different situation, you, you can flip back to that story so quickly that now there's an attachment to fear. And that's when we get into cycles of stress and feeling on edge or we, we, we get startled easily or scared easily um, because we have attachments to these emotional experiences and that goes for fear and it goes for joy. Mm -hmm. Like when we get attached to joy and then we get worried that we're going to feel fear again, or like, we're not going to always stay in this forever. Like being human is a spectrum of emotions that we have to be okay with and like fully accept. But the story in our minds comes from the state in our body. So interesting. Cause in the interview I was just on, I, yeah came to the surface for me on how I have been so much more comfortable for the majority of my life in the struggle, Mm. in the chaos, in the stress. Like Sarah knows how the fuck to navigate the hard shit. Like I'm good at it. I'm comfortable in it. Mm. It's not what I consciously desire, but I am very much comfortable in it. And so I feel like I tend to unconsciously or subconsciously like magnetize more of this. Cause it's like, Oh, you know how to do this girl. You got this girl. And like, it goes back to the beginning of our conversation where, and even pre pre pushing record, like I'm just so desiring to live like this beautiful life with like Yes, there's always going to be challenge. There's always going to be struggle. Like you said, there's always going to be like the shadow work, but that has been like the big thing at the table. And I'm so ready for the majority to shift and instead for more beauty and presence and fun and play and romance and seduction and flirtation to just like come into the room and want to party with me. But the state that I am very much or have been attached to is what's the next challenge? I will conquer Mm -hmm. it. And I'm shifting. I'm learning how to shift into let's not search out the next challenge. Like let's just be with what is as is and not always be in a state of seeking, like seeking mm-hmm. the next income level, seeking the next accolade, seeking the next client, seeking the next payment, seeking the next, like even um, like way in which we build our family or, or the next like house that we buy or whatever. Like, yeah. but it's really challenging in that, I have to break old attachments in order for mm-hmm. that to really enter into the room and allow myself to shift, you know, towards that. And it's interesting because this is the second to last podcast episode. And this is one of the actions that I've taken to release the attachment, right? Like the podcast has become a thing that doesn't feel in the most alignment for me moving forward and the highest alignment for me moving forward. So I'm choosing to step back, but the old part of me that's attached to that state is like, wait, no, you have to keep going. Why would you let go? Oh, can you resonate with that? Oh my gosh. So much, so much. So like, have you ever read the book existential kink? 
No, but it's in my Amazon wish list. Yeah, it is so fascinating. And I haven't made my way through it, but I've talked to people about the work and it's like, it's like that. It's like being, it's like th that there's a part of you that like likes the struggle, that likes the chaos. And I so resonate with that. And my husband, Tim and I were having this conversation yesterday. And even in Florida, we were having this conversation of, you know, he was saying to me, he's like, I just want you to feel like good with where you are and not feel like, you're digging out of a hole. Yeah. And I didn't even realize that that's what I create. It's like, mm -hmm. I'm looking for the next one to like dig out of, to like prove that I can do it. Yeah. To, it's but it's exhausting it, to do that. It's like it's, a constant seeking, seeking yes. more, more, never enough. And it's such yes. like a consumerism, capitalism society that we're born into that I think makes us strive for that. And mm -hmm. like the strive, the, the drive is not inherently bad, but- right it becomes, um, I think detrimental to actually living our lives if it's all consuming or if it's like this obsession that we create or we're constantly finding the hole to dig, dig out of, like you said. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. And I just, I just, I, I, I just keep thinking like there's so much more to life than what we're taught in society. And part of that is presence, which we opened with and talking about the kids, but I just, yeah, I don't, I don't want to keep doing it that way either. I'm so in that place. And that's part of, you know, I, I know I told you like I'm pivoting what I'm doing and, but in that pivot, I realized it's not about eliminating what I do now. It's just about opening up to the possibility that I can do a lot more variety of things without it having to be one singular thing. Like yeah. I'm multi-passionate, I'm multifaceted. Like I can do, you know, lots of different things mm -hmm. and, and enjoy it all instead of feeling like I'm, you know, in this one place and I have to do this one thing. It's like, mm -hmm. I don't know, like the sweetness, like the good parts of life are in the now. Yeah. And yeah, when we're chasing the next thing or, seeking the next thing. It's like, we're not there. So then I look up, I do that for a little while. I look up and I'm like, what, what, did, what happened? You know, my kid's three and my kid's 10 months. And so, especially since having kids, it's really, that's a question I ask myself all the time. Not, not months or years, but days, every, every day, probably almost at this point, I'm like, what am I doing? Is this worth it? I've got two tiny kids that I want to be present for. Like the priorities are different. And we talked about that in the embodiment experience too. Mm -hmm. It really has shifted the lens in which I see the world and therefore the priorities of my day to day. And then also when I zoom out big picture going, okay, like what road are we traveling down right now? Mm -hmm. And is it the road that I want to be traveling down? And not that I have to commit to that one road forever, but yeah. like, is it the road that I want to be on right now? Yeah. And that's where my own pivot is is currently in process and, and like happening and let's let's talk about the, the bravery the, the courage the the willingness to actually do the pivot to to take the pivot because I know I look at my business and I think <laughs> like that saying like if it if it's if it's not if it ain't broke don't fix it right mm. like it's, it works. My business works as it, as it operates today. Yeah. But is it the business that I want to be? Mm -hmm. 
spending my time and energy on? Is it the path that I want to be walking down? Yeah. What has saying yes to the pivot looked like for you? Yeah. When I hear, when you're asking me this question, what's coming up is fascinating to witness um, for me. So I'm just going to say it and it's probably going to sound a little messy, but because you, you use the word bravery and, and courageous. And I would say that people around me when I've made big pivots, cause like I ran a really successful online personal training business that made multiple six figures a year that I shut down because it wasn't aligned. Um, but what I will tell you is that I have not felt brave or courageous in any of those moments. In fact, I feel that making those decisions is so easy for me. There is, it almost doesn't make sense. Like when I say it out loud, it doesn't make sense to say it that way, but, and it, and I'm sure there is like, it is brave and it is courageous, but for me, it feels like not taking the easy way out. It just feels like an easy decision. Like it, it's just, (sighs) well, you said, um, like that getting out of jail that like, yeah it almost feels like there's a sensation of when you say yes to the pivot, this like relief, this expansion, this like deeper alignment that you're at a point or have been at these points in life and at business that it's like just allowing the truth of how they're not aligned or they're uncomfortable or they're no longer just for you to like actually enter into your field so that then the, the decision to pivot is actually easy because you're like, oh, okay, like yeah. moving on to the next thing, like letting myself evolve and be a human and like not have to stick with the same thing forever. Yeah. I think now that you say that, uh, you reflect that, I think that the feeling brave and having that courage comes from allowing myself to ask the really hard questions mm. of, does this actually feel good? Like, is this what I want to do? The decision always feels easy because my body's already decided. And I'm in, if you're familiar, I know you're a reflector. Yes. I'm a a projector. You're a projector. And I'm a, I'm a generator and I am an emotional authority. So, uh, you know, that's that. I feel like most highly sensitives have to be emotional authorities. (laughs) You would see. (laughs) Yeah. Um, probably are. I'm sure there are some that aren't, but, um, giving myself permission to ask those really hard questions. And like earlier this year, Camp Kundalini is like a program that I've run so many times. It's a signature program. And I was running one at the beginning of the year called Fear Shifter. And it just like, I, I couldn't figure out why it was like doing content was like pulling teeth. Like it would not come out of me. I was like, what is happening? And I had a friend say like, is this the camp you want to run? And I was like, no, like the, the, the word came out before I even thought about it. It was just like a full body. No, fuck no. Like we do not want to do this. And so I, um, that day I just like sat with it and this whole new version of camp came out. And in 24 hours, eight people had joined after I like burned it down, rebuilt it. It was wild. And that is like the alignment, but it's, if you're not asking yourself the questions of like, is this what I want to do? Then you're not going to get those answers. And so when you say, do I want to pivot? Is this the business that I want? And your answer is no then it's like, I have to follow that through. And I knew that what I was doing wasn't what I wanted to be doing at the end of January. And again, the night before my 34th birthday, which was at the end of February, um, my husband and I had such a long conversation about like, I don't want to do it this way anymore. And I still didn't change anything. And on this trip in Florida, I actually made the decision and it was like, 
like get out of jail card. It was like incredible. Just the, like nothing on the outside had changed, but my whole internal world had changed. Yeah. I can like, f- being an empath, there's like, of yeah. course, I like experience through feeling and it's like, I can feel the exhale in your body of just like allowing that yeah. to enter and to like actually make the shift within your internal knowing of like, this is what I'm doing now. And I think, Abby, you're a really beautiful example of, well, first of all, being in high integrity in your business and in life, but also this reminder that like, there really aren't that many rules <laughs> and we, we create these rules and we think we need to abide by these rules and we have to do it a certain way. And I feel like you're not afraid to say, those rules aren't real. <laughs> like I'm going to make my own damn rules yeah. and do this the way that I desire to do this. And an example that I'm thinking of, of, of that I've witnessed, and I don't know all the details of, but I've, I've witnessed this sort of from a distance is you had shared how you wrote this book years ago and yeah. didn't publish and decided to like create an experience out of it where it seems like people are sort of like, side by side with you going through the content of a book, but in a very innovative way. And to me, that's creativity, that's innovation. It's looking at a situation that, or a a structure in which something exists and being like, what if there were no rules around this? How would it want to come to life? How would this want to be birthed? How would it want to come to life? And then like acting upon that. Can you talk about your process in that? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That was, I mean, I this is my favorite project I've ever done. Um, and it was fascinating just the way synchronistically that it came back to life. Cause this was something that I wrote five years ago. So I completely forgot that I wrote to be totally honest. Cause I'd compartmentalize it so deep. Cause I, when I went back and revisit it like a year later, I was like, this is terrible. This is so bad. Like I was just like overanalyzing it. Mm-hmm. And then my husband was talking to my nanny and I happened to walk in at the exact time from the basement where he said like, yeah, Abby wrote a book. Cause my our nanny had written a book. And I was like, no, I didn't. And he was like, but yeah, you did though. <laughs> and I was like, well, I mean, yeah, but like I didn't publish it and I got all defensive and weird about it. And I was like, huh, that probably means I should look at my book. And I pulled up my book and it was like everything I needed to hear in the moment and what I was going through. So then I just, I'm sitting there and I'm reading the book and I was like, this gets to come to life. And what happened for the first time, there was like, I didn't have any, there was no structure around this. I didn't, it wasn't in my quarterly plan. It wasn't part of my projected income. It was just like, it was like, this would feel really freaking good if I did it. So what I was looking at and I was like, these words, I was thinking about how I experience books because I love books, but I read a book and I'm like, but how, Mm. but how, like I outline and I highlight and I journal and I'm like, but still how though I'm stuck. Mm. And so I'm reading my book and I'm like, no, this comes to life through embodiment. Like that is what this does. And, um, in the first 24 hours, it was like 30 people signed up and we now have over 40, which is my biggest live container I've ever done. And, um, and it's having like such amazing impact. It's just so fun. It's just very fun to do. And yeah, that was my, I wasn't even consciously, that's a moment where it was like my guard was so fully down. I was so in that moment with my book that there could not have been a rule. And so I didn't even have to ask myself that question. But what you just said was like what I was doing, which was if there were no rules around this, 
would I actually publish it like the traditional way right. or would I do it differently? But my, my, my emotional authority had taken over and decided like there was no other way that I was going to do this. And so I knew, but when I'm everyday living right now, that's one of the questions I'm asking myself. And thank you for the kind words that you said too about, about this, but I've been asking myself, like, what rule am I brushing up against? Because humanity loves linear things. Yeah. We like compartmentalizing. We like pretty boxes with boxes with bows of like understanding who this person is, who this person is, who this person is. And now what we're seeing the world turn into is truly like this big melting pot of how like our like physiology, like our, our like physical human form and how, you know, all of that is fluid and sexuality and gender. It's like, it doesn't have to be the way that it's always been, but there's a lot of fear around that changing. So you have to, you, you're going to brush up against that too. In anything where there are rules, where there are patterns, whether it's conscious or subconscious, you're going to brush up against fear, but you have to be willing to walk with it. And that's been one of the biggest teachers for me and having a relationship with fear and not wanting fear to then being like, okay, fear, you're just part of my human experience. You get to exist with me. There's nothing I need to be scared of you for. Like I get to learn from you. You get to be fuel for my personal evolution. Mm -hmm. And so whenever I feel, feel that I'm saying like, what rule am I brushing up against? Like what lesson is there for me to learn here? Like mm -hmm. what is this activating inside of me? Does that answer? Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like after having been in business for so long where the focus is us, like you, mm. right? Like are your brand. I am my brand. And this is something that came up in uh, my interview with Kelly, the episode that just came out the week that you and I are recording this. And yeah. she also decided to make a decision to end her podcast for now. And we were talking about how there, there's so much healing that can come along with sharing your story, with being the brand, with creating programs that center around, you know, things that you've been through and, and overcome and, and the learnings you've gained from that. And there's nothing wrong with that, but what her and I were observing, and I'm just curious what your perspective is on this as well, is that there comes a time that I would say there comes a time where I feel called to kind of let my energy be more sacred and go more inward and be just for me mm -hmm. and um, like more for me and, and my loved ones yeah. than this like outward exhibition of it and let this journey that I've been on and the skills I've developed along the way be used to help other people amplify their voice because I I've done that. Like I've done this for six years. I have amplified my own voice. I have healed my own throat chakra. I have let the focus be on me mm -hmm. and my story and all the things I've been through. And you mentioned you had this very successful personal training, like fitness brand. Now you have this embodiment Kundalini brand and yeah it's like the season of pivot. And I just, I'm curious what your take is on the energetic component of like being so outward with our energy and sharing 
us Mm -hmm. versus letting some of our magic be directed towards amplifying the voice of others. Yeah. It's so fascinating. And I mean, yes, to all of this, like I think that you and I, I've known you for over a year, right? We've been like connecting through Instagram and things, but the way that we've reconnected since, you know, we started doing this experience, like we are in such similar places and, um, it's really just, I wanted to just thank you. Cause it's refreshing to just hear somebody else say it, what you're feeling, yeah. because as much as I give myself that permission, there is still this part of you that wonders like, is it the right thing? Like, it's what I'm going to do because it, I'm trusting myself, but like, am I making a a wrong decision here, which there isn't one, but, um, you know, it can get, that can just get, you can get confused if you're consuming a lot of stuff online and you feel like you need to do it this way or whatnot, or this is the way you're, you're successful. And so everything you just said is exactly how I feel. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, I just, I don't even, I can't even say it better. It's like, I am fully at the point where I have been deeply desiring to retreat for a year and I'm finally giving myself that permission. I mean, for years probably because at the beginning of 2020, I took six months off social media and it was like the happiest that I had been in a long time. And I just, and I, and my energy was mine and I communicated with my clients in my private Facebook group and on my email list. But, um, I really kept it for me and yeah, I think there, and it's not that it, for me, it's not like a, it takes too much for me to share my journey. It's not that it's just, it is, it feels more sacred. And I think it has to do with having kids. Like there is something it's like with the priorities, the energy change, like there's other places where you just want to devote your energy and time. And I don't want to think about like, and, and feel like I have to share that all the time anymore. And I deeply have loved sharing it. And there are parts that I always will, and I'll I'll always want to share some things here and there, but I absolutely feel this like pullback of like, I never thought I would be somebody that would want to help other people, you know, amplify their voices. Like I really always thought it would be me as the brand and I feel completely the opposite now. Yeah. I'm like ready to, to help people build, build their space. And it feels like really fun. Yeah. Feels really fun. It's such a ego death at the same time, right? Where it's like, I'm yeah, it's not, weird. It's like, I'm not I don't, everything. Yeah. It's like, I don't feel like I'm a narcissist <laughs> because right? I'm like sharing my stuff. But then there's this piece of like, cause it does start to feel for me and it has recently, it just feels self-serving a little bit now. Yeah. It feels like, it feels like it's complete in a lot of ways, yeah. some of it. And then, and then when I choose to do it anyway, it's like, Ooh, that uh-huh. didn't feel so good. Uh-huh. And I obviously don't think you're a narcissist, but I do think that anyone who has a brand that like their face is the center has like some level of like, I don't even know if I want to say it this way, but like a little narcissistic energy, not that they're narcissists, but like this kind of this, like, I look at me, like, look at me, I'm important sort of vibe. I know I have, have had that and have that. Whereas like, look at the shit that I'm doing. It's important people like open your eyes, stay here, watch me. Yeah. And, um, it's interesting that you brought up how it shifted with kids because, and I'm not saying this is true for you, but it has been true for me that it's had me take a step back and go, huh? So I was treating my business like my baby Mm. and now I have 
a real human baby? And how do I break the codependent bond that I've built with my business baby and not then project that onto my human baby. Like, let's just chop this attachment of codependency, but I'm not going to then shift it over to my child because that's not fair to her either. And like really calling all my energetic cords that I've thrown around (laughs) back home and like taking sacred responsibility and ownership for them and like reeling them back in so that I something that we talked about also in reclaimed woman is like this, this sovereignty of like bringing my energy back, taking ownership over my, my energy, the circulation of my energy and all the places that my project, my energy has been projected onto. Yeah, totally. I mean, yeah, I, I think that's a really fascinating connection to think about that. And yeah, my business was my baby for so long since 2014. And, um, yeah, having human babies, it's just, it's different. It's different. There's like a reciprocated energy that's like not the same in business. Like it's, I love my clients and I love my programs and I love my offerings, but it's not the same. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it does, it just shifts. It really does shift things. I can't possibly imagine it like any differently, right? Like it's, Uh it's incredible. It's like the most amazing thing I've ever witnessed for sure. What do you think changed most? Because obviously we changed so much in the evolution into motherhood and, and now having two babies, like having being a mother of more than one, of multiple. And what do you think has shifted most about your identity over these three, four years? Mm. That's such a great question. I think trust in myself. Mm, I love that. Yeah. I think that I, I always believed in myself like very strongly because before I had kids, I built this really successful business and I always believed in myself, but I didn't trust myself. And when I became a mom, um, like I love, like, it's so funny, uh, but like every night when I go to bed, I put like my hand on my belly and it's like so soft and there's like extra skin. And it's like, it's like my favorite thing. It feels like home. Like my body really feels like home. And it's funny you asked that because last night I, I did that. I do it every night. And it's like, as soon as I do it, I'm out. It's like how I fall asleep. Um, I turn my Reiki on, I got my hands on my belly and I just, I'm asleep. And I was thinking right before I fell asleep that like, I feel that I am, I feel even more at home in my body from being someone else's home Mm -hmm. and from going through that process of like giving myself that proof and that it's like the proof of that belief almost. It's just this, it's just, I just have such a deep relationship with my body and I trust her for everything. Like I just, I, yeah, I so trust her now. I have chills and I love the distinction you made between believing in yourself versus trusting yourself. Cause I feel like sometimes those get a little mistaken or overlapped yeah. and there is, there's a difference. And I, I, I feel very similarly where it's like, I've, I've had a strong belief in myself and I think it comes from being a super independent kid and just like, yeah having the evidence over and over again of like being able to do hard things, being able to Mm. accomplish things, being able to overachieve. Yeah. But trusting yourself is a different frequency. It's a different energy that doesn't necessarily um, automatically coexist with 
believing in yourself. Yeah, I think there's this like believing to me, this is in my body. Belief has this like um, subtle energy of control for me. Mm. And trust has a subtle energy of surrender. I feel that. Yeah. It does. It's like surrender. It's releasing attachment to the outcome. Yeah. It's like belief is like, I can do hard things. Trust is like, no matter what happens, I will be okay. Cause like I'm home. You're speaking to my soul right now. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I can't wait to listen to this back. It's like, I don't even know what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) What is time? What is reality? What? (laughs) Oh my God. That's the beauty of podcasting. I will say that I'm really going to miss is in these conversations, I think new truths and curiosities, uh, realizations come to the surface that like might not have otherwise revealed themselves, but it's in these intimate, like uncensored conversations that whether it's from my voice or my guest voice, you today, Abby, like, yeah, they, they unearth and come to the surface. And it's so cool even to see my team, love you team, Soulfire Productions, uh, pick out the, usually they pick out like three or four, like little snippets for quotes that go into audiograms or like graphics and I always love to see what they end up picking out because I'm like, damn, that was said? Oh, yeah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's so great. I love it. And it's funny because you're closing down your podcast and I told Sarah, like, I'm starting a new one and Sarah's going to come on. I was like, girl, you can come on anytime. We'll have these conversations. But but also with that, I just wanted to say that I – Yes, with like these conversations, because life is about connection and engagement. And we think it's about convenience. Mm. And we think it's about things being easier and more accessible. And I was I've been thinking about this because we've got it. My daughter is in love with her gymnastics coach. I've never seen her love a teacher as much as she loves this woman. Like, she adores her. And I am like, no matter where we move in this state, I will drive to this person. And then I was thinking, huh, well, what if we live an hour away? And I was like, Abby, life isn't about what's most convenient and what's like the easiest. Life is about like real engagement and connection with other human beings and having community and finding people that are important to you and having conversations. Like we forget that because right now, technology and everything is all about making life more convenient. And so I was just, I feel so passionately about that. Like that's why these conversations are so amazing because it's, it's like, this is what life is about, right? Like, yeah, just what it feels like to me. It's so much more intimate than social media to me. It it really allows us to be present with each other here, even if we're across a screen. Like, I I wish I could be next to you right now, but (laughs) (laughs) even across the screen, it is, it's just a different layer of intimacy and and connection, like you said, and it's just given me so much to think, think about. So I appreciate you and I appreciate this conversation. And I just love to wrap up with any last thoughts that are on your heart that you feel called to share. And also if you could let everyone know where to find you, learn more and and create that real connection with you. Yeah, absolutely. So 
I think the last thing I want to say is really just what I just said. I, I would say like today, just like connect with somebody, just like take an invitation, like really see someone, like really connect with somebody. Maybe it's like the barista and you like ask them an extra question or whoever it is, just like, don't forget that it's not, don't forget to live your life and really be there for it. And being there for it is having authentic connection. That's what it means to be there. And whoever that, whoever that is with, if it's yourself, your kids, your partner, your family, your friends, whoever it is, just like be there now because you won't, you don't, you don't get to the end of your life and look back and, and feel sad about the moments that you were there for. You feel sad about the moments that you were looking at your phone when this amazing thing happened or whatever it was. So just connect with somebody today. And then you can find me on Instagram. (laughs) She'll have, you'll have my stuff. Um, mostly I'm on, I'm on Instagram and I'd say like, we, we talked a little bit about coming home. That's my favorite thing I've ever done. So if you want a taste of what I do and embodiment with me, um, my book brought to life a reclamation of power in body, mind, and spirit. And um, it's a really beautiful thing. We're going for months. It's going to be like a six-month project. We're only in month two. So um, yeah, it's really fun. So I'll give you all the information for that too. But it was just amazing to sit here and chat with you, Sarah. And, um, thank you for having me on. I'm like honored to be your last interview. And in one of your, your last few episodes, it's just such an honor for me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And yeah, this just feels perfect to have you be officially my last interview guest. We are at such a similar phase of life that, that really to me was just like, I need to have Abby in to have this conversation with somebody who, who really gets it and speaks my language right now. So thank you for this conversation, but also thank you for just being you and for being a presence in my life and somebody that I can connect to. You, you hold such beautiful space and it's just, yeah, my absolute honor and delight to, to have, have known you and to continue to get to know you. Thank you, Abby. Thank you. I love you. Thank you.